We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. It's Wednesday morning uh, after the Timberwolves lost to the New York Knicks, 96 to 88. I'm joined by Britt Robson of MinPost to kind of at least start by talking about these two games post-Christmas for the Wolves where they beat the Boston Celtics on Monday night. They lose to the Knicks tonight. Very shorthanded in both games and Britt, I was just thinking we can kind of start the conversation by talking about what, if anything, from these shorthanded wolves, the players who are playing, what, if anything, has been relevant to kind of the rest of the season? Very little. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. let, let's be honest. This is uh see, I thought you were going to take a different path. I thought you were going to just start heaping some Nate Knight praise <laughs> Well, people are operating in a uh, theoretical, not a theoretical, but in an unusual circumstance that doesn't really apply and won't apply going Mm -hmm. forward. Um, It's kind of like holding a marathon swim meet in uh, a swimming pool going back and forth rather than a lake or an ocean where you you know swim for miles and miles or something it's an un- Did you prepare that metaphor <laughs> no i have no idea <laughs> don't you think it's a good one though analogy i don't really get it but I, <laughs> I, I, i'm picturing the water well i mean i guess what i'm saying is there are certain circumstances where certain players could probably play well for a short period of time in that let's say somebody mm-hmm. does i mean to continue the weird metaphor um somebody's really good at bouncing off the sides of the you know doing the turnbacks or whatever that's good for yeah, a while flips that's good for a while and it gets you ahead for a while but if you're a marathon swimmer eventually the people with the best lungs are going to swim best you know so all i'm saying is if you're in this environment where um you have unusual circumstances malik beasley's a perfect example of this right now um He's being exposed for being able to do one thing either well or not well, and that's his role. And and if there isn't enough surrounding stuff around him, um, he's going to be even more dependent on sinking long-range shots. And if he doesn't do it, he's going to be considered trash. If he does do it, he's going to be considered invaluable. 
you know, and, and so roles get outsized, downsized. We can love the fact that Jade McDaniels is putting together a really nice offensive game for himself over these past few days, you know, maybe even the past couple of weeks. But when Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Townsend, D'Angelo Russell return, um, and when he starts to lead a proper second unit with second unit expectations, I don't think that kind of offense is going to sustain. I think that he's the kind of guy who needs a lot of high usage and needs to have a certain environment in which he plays that um, I think that's most of that's going to go away. So is maybe the question whose role right now is most similar to what their role is going to be when the roster returns? Is that maybe the most relevant actually, thing? That, that's actually a great way to, to phrase it. Yeah, that would probably uh, provide more meaningful conversation. But but who is that? I'm trying to even think about right, that because right. it's like Jalen Noel, right? I mean, actually, Jalen Noel, Noel has, has probably well. is another really good example. You're on you're on your game today, because um, <laughs> I, I, Jalen Noel is right now the spark plug off the bench, the guy mm-hmm. who kind of is in the D'Lo role of captaining the second unit, if you were, you know? right? Um, yeah, that one seems the most same because I just kind of go down the list. I'm actually going to push back on the McDaniel stuff a little bit too. But okay. I think Nathan Nathan Knight, um, his role that he obviously has right now is not going to be the role he has once the roster's back together. Certainly Greg Monroe. Um, and those have kind of been, along with Jalen Noel and Jaden McDaniels, have been the the players I think have played best over these these two games. Jordan McLaughlin, too, I think has been decent, but he doesn't really have Again, a, a guy that likes high usage. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I think with McDaniels, I'm a little bit more encouraged by what we've seen from him over these four or five COVID games because I think we did start seeing a bit of a shift um, prior to the players starting to go out with COVID. And what you were saying right there and what some of your questioning was last night was like you asked Jaden, you're like, can you do this once, you know, the big three returns and I think we saw him start to do some of this stuff. Some of it, right. While the big three was there. And and I don't think with him it's ever like a big swing from, I don't know, like even, even in these games where he has as much bandwidth as he could possibly want, right? right. There's right. nobody out there for the Wolves. He's still not going to take that much, right? His, his usage goes up by 15% or something uh, relative to what it was before. And... So I, I don't know. I, I think with McDaniels, I'm always looking at how much is he able to do within himself, which is a pretty specific kind of limited, muted skill set. And I just like how beyond even the defense, which was really good against Julius Randle last night. Right. I like how we've seen a little bit more from him offensively, a little bit more assertiveness without the sloppiness that sometimes comes when he turns up uh-huh. the volume a little bit. Uh, I understand what you're saying. I think that the sloppiness goes away with repetition. That's my point. My point is, is okay. that is that I think that, that makes sense. if he if he gets eight shots a game, he's going to be more sloppy with the first six than he is with the last two or whatever. But I, I do think there is something about his game. Um, put it this way. When McDaniels is really aggressive on offense, my first gut 
instinct is that that's the wrong thing to do. Um, I just don't feel like he has the. Uh, but isn't that a product of who he's around and not him individually? I mean, I don't. Well, I don't but think I, of I him mean, I'm, like a, I'm even seeing it. You know, I'm even <clears throat> feeling it. You know, during these games. You know, during the games when he has the right to take those shots. I, I, I guess what it really comes down to is I still don't have a lot of faith in his offensive menu. You know. I, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I just don't feel like I think his handle is either uh, not very good or overrated, depending on how you think about him. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I think that um, <laughs> I, I think that he still remains a flyweight. He is a he gets knocked around um, just because of who he is. It has nothing to do with his want to. I mean, Pat Bev was the latest to just, you know, People who know him best are just openly admiring of the fact that the guy is a dog. He's a real competitor. And it seems a shame that, especially after he had that flu, um, he just gets treated like a, a rag doll sometimes. And, and that's what made last night fun, you know, in some respects. I thought Finch kind of oversold the idea that Randall went at him. I actually thought that Randall bailed him out throughout the first half you know i mean yeah randall would like go at him until he got to 10 feet and then he would do one of those jumping passes back out to the perimeter i thought Jaden did a pretty good job on him in like like hand combat you, you kind of know like I an agree. offensive lineman it sounds kind of weird to compare no no that, that is, to an offensive that, lineman that's exactly you know what right I'm talking about? yes i do i think and i actually think that is where mcdaniels to your point has improved the most and maybe is a takeaway from this COVID time is that he is learning how not to follow. And some of that has to do with the fact that um, he's moving his feet, feet in a position. He's getting that separation so that he can use his hands in a way that doesn't look like a foul. It's when he tries to use his hands when somebody is right up against him that he has trouble or yeah. when he's been bounced away and he's reaching back for somebody. But there's a middle ground where his hands are really good, uh, where he's not bounced away and he's not leaned into. Um, yep. And he was able to get that middle ground with Randall some last night. So I, I think that's a very good point. You know what I'm concerned with him about is his three-point shot. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's the 36-and-a-half three-point shooter he was last year um now he's 26 and a half this year but i mean when you just watch him shoot like put put it like this oh one i don't think his form is all that great and so when i watch him shoot yeah i i think we're probably talking about like a low 30s guy what do you think okay well we're 33 games into the year is that right um what do you think jade mcdaniels will shoot from three from this, well, let's just call it in 2022, the rest of the season. The rest of the season from now? From now, yes. Somewhere between 32 and 36%. I think I'd take the under. Uh-huh. Well, and, and I think that that's what's concerning to me mm -hmm. about him, given how much of his limited offensive role is about that. Just the spotting up there. He clearly has the, I, I don't want to, it kind of reminds me of last year, when Ryan Saunders would just talk about how Josh Akohi just, just if you're catching it there, you got to let it fire. Right, right. Know? I know. Yeah. And 
And it's just like, I appreciate having faith in your players, and I understand you kind of have to do that. But at some point, when a player isn't shooting well from three, doesn't seem like he's exactly a knockdown shooter, I just... I have frustration with this team over the past few years, including this year, where there's just so high three-point volume. And I go, I don't know if that's ultimately the answer. Is just for a guy like McDaniels to still be, what's he shooting? He's still shooting three and a half threes per game, which is almost half of his shots. Mm-hmm. So, so put glass half full or more optimistically, I'd like to find more ways for him to be maybe like catching off the DHO and moving north-south rather than just that pure spot-up thing in the corner above the break. I just I just don't think it's going to end up being that profitable, and it certainly hasn't been thus far this year. Well, there's a, a lot to react to on that. I would say I want him to take open threes more than contested threes. Um yeah, uh, yeah, and part of that is because he's a legs shooter. He's somebody who really needs to be set. He's one of those guys that seems to shoot from the bottom of his calves up through his body, and that requires open shots. It's you know, it's it's like a, a minor version of Gorgie Jang in terms of the windup. Although Gorgie's mm-hmm. windup is more upper body, but the the succinct point is that I think McDaniel's needs time to get his three point stroke in rhythm. And uh, I could be wrong. I just said it because there are, have been occasions where he's hit some contested threes that are these big rainbow things that I never thought would go in. Uh, But I, I feel a lot better when he has time to get that off. And what I would like to see him be is um, there was a guy who, um, was a commenter on my mid post article who, after I ripped McDaniels um, in my last piece, who said that the cop on McDaniels should be Dorian Finney Smith. And I thought that was a really interesting idea um, hmm. because I do think that Dorian Finney Smith is somebody who can hit a three, especially a corner three, but concentrates on just being a scrappy defender uh, now, of course, the difference is about 35 pounds. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith is about, goes about right. 250, dude. Yeah. about 215, 220. He is 6'7". So, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a cop that way. Um, were we talking about this last time, how Dorian Finney-Smith looks even taller than 6'7"? Exactly. We were. Yeah. I mean, I was actually shocked. He was almost cat's height. And so, yeah. uh, who knows, you know, with these things. But I love the cop in that... Um, you don't expect Dorian Smitty, Finney Smith. If he gives you 20, it's like, whoa, you know, like what it was a bonus game, you know, or whatever. I want to see Jaden get like maybe anywhere from nine to, to 12, you know, sure. as, as kind of his game. And and in the meantime, um, concentrate on locking down wings. Now, Randall, for some reason, is an exception. He, he defended Randall really well last year, too, um, in their well, because Randall stops short. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he doesn't use his physicality all right. the way. He loves to pull up for that mid-range. You know who I don't think wants Jaden McDaniels to be Dorian Finney-Smith? Chris Finch. Oh, I know. I know. Well, Chris Finch has visions of Jaden McDaniels that he may turn out to be right. Um, right. But 
as an all-around player, um, he he sees an offensive upside for Jane McDaniels that I just don't see. I don't see it. Um, and he knows a hell of a lot more about the game than I do. So I think that's a whole. I, I think thing. it's because we don't see it as much, and I'm assuming maybe some of the listeners too, because like the ball skills aren't clean. Mm-hmm. Like McDaniels is. You know, he's gangly, he's pretty upright. He's he's kind of got like the Wiggins frying pan handle where he looks like he's just kind of smacking the ball uh-huh. rather than really like cupping it. Yep. Um, but to somebody who's smarter and sees kind of basketball further and deeper than we do, I think somebody like Chris Finch views those things as adjustable over time. Uh-huh. And 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 something that can be developed. I do think it's good that Jade McDaniels is a six nine six ten kid who did grow up playing a guard type of role. Right. He's not like he's not like a big who's added, you know, right. this to his game. But so doesn't that, that doesn't that, that mean though that he should already have developed that skill? Plus, it, it does. Yeah. And, and the and the other thing is, it's been my just purely observational experience that. Handle is one of the few things that really can't dramatically improve. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know of a lot of players who suddenly become really good with the dribble. Um, I think you either have it or you don't to some extent. I, I remember Joseph Blair, who was going to coach the summer league team, when we were asking about Jaden McDaniel's a lot in the summertime. Um, he was like, "We need Jaden to be able to catch the ball and take one dribble." And and that is step one, right? Right, right, like, right. And 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 so that's probably like it's probably going to be a progression. And right. but the the kind of the I don't know the the Chris Finch line about Jade McDaniel's that pops is from your one on one with him where he talked he talked about him being comparable to Scottie Pippen. Right. But what he also what he said in that was Jaden has a foundation and can stack skills on top of that. So that's. That's what I think we're talking That's about. That's a really cool quote. First. And you you hammered on that at the media thing last night, which was kind of fun to hear the answers. Because I don't really know what the answer is. I asked Finch, I kind of the made turning it. I, I was the turning the corner to thing was a really, yeah. that was a cool insight, though. Why don't you expand it, well, on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I was trying to frame the the, the question as positively because I, right. I think Jane McDaniels has been the most consistent Timberwolves player through this decimated roster right. time. Yes. And, and so I just said, you know, you've talked about Jaden stacking skills onto his game. What things have you seen him stack this year and what things would you like to see be stacked? And Finch didn't mention anything that he has <laughs> stacked, right? He was only like, well, we need him to turn the quarter. And I don't remember what the other thing he, he said was, but but it it's almost like Finch saying, almost expressing some frustration with, with Jaden's season as a whole. I don't think Finch is frustrated with Jaden has done these four games, but he did have higher aspirations for McDaniels through this first almost half of the season. So, so yeah, I I, I think him saying that is kind of what we're saying, or at least what I'm saying is maybe a few, fewer threes and a little bit more at the basket. Cause I think we have seen that when we see it, swing it back to him on the second side, he does have a pretty quick first step. He goes a long ways with that step. So if it's just one guy to beat on his way to the rim, right? he can do that. And then when the big comes over to contest it, he is so tall, he is so long that he can kind of like 
gangle finish right. at the rim. Right. And so th- th- there is that is the more attractive part of his of his offensive game to me. I was just I wanted to mention these here too. I just pulled up his his three point shooting last year. He was forty one percent from the corner, thirty three percent from above the break, and thirty six percent overall. This year he's twenty nine percent from the corner, twenty seven percent from above the break, and twenty eight percent overall. So the area he can or has shown that he can make up some ground and it's just the easier three is is the corner. I mean, that's that's pretty pretty concerning that he's hasn't even made 30% of his 50 corner threes right. at, at this right. juncture of the season. Well, these things probably tie together. Hit some more shots then you can do a little bit more off the bounce. And also I do think that um like Chris Finch, Jane McDaniel's thought this was going to be a banner year. I mean, he came in, he didn't leave uh, Minneapolis unless it was to go to Vegas over the entire mm-hmm. offseason, practically. He stayed local. He mm-hmm. worked out all the time. Uh, he sculpted his body. I mean, when we saw him at Media Day and he said he put on 10 pounds, we believed that and thought, he's getting ready to do something, you know? I mean, this is going to be something. Right. And all that, you know, summer league stuff. Yeah, I think it really helped that he had a couple of bulldogs on the, you know, point, you know, real, all this is relative to Vegas competition. But McKinley Wright and um, and Isaiah Miller both were, you know, guys who, uh, you know, were bulldog guys on one end, but pretty much let him, you know, have the rock. Uh, to do what he wanted with, uh, you know. And he, well, and he played the three, man. I mean, part of the right. reason why Jaden McDaniels has played poorly this year is because he's played 60% of his minutes at power four. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's the thing, again, um, Chris Finch admitted the other day that as soon as I got Pat Bev, he envisioned Pat Bev in the starting lineup. Well, that immediately means Vando wasn't there because he always had McDaniels in there. But that also right. meant that Vando was, I mean, uh, McDaniels was going to have to be the four. And that just isn't going to work in the NBA. Um, right. I just don't think, I think this McDaniels at power forward thing, which I think it, is pretty well dead now, although I, I think that it'll, it'll get resurrected on, you know, in some way, shape or form. And Finch is always... He said Torian Prince was going to be a small ball five. He said Jake Lehman the other day was working out as a small ball five. I think he has these cool concepts. Uh, it just doesn't have the personnel for it. But he never he never says Jade McDaniels is going to be a small ball five. Uh, you know, because <laughs> he knows you know that that's you know his small ball five is going to be somebody who uh, moves in and out. You know, sticks and then leaves. You know. Um, and Jade McDaniels, I think, is just, you know, he can't he can't do that. So, um, you know, we spent a lot of time on him, and, and I do want to not close, but sum up my feeling. I'm a big Jade McDaniels guy. I mean, I wrote a fawning piece on him last year. I have been disappointed with his play this year. I don't think anybody who was a big fan of his last year and saw the kind of preseason and summer league he had didn't expect more from them than what they've gotten this year. That doesn't mean that at the age of 20, he'll be 21, I think in September um, that, or maybe may or something like that. But anyway, he's not yet 21. 
uh, that he's going to be um, some kind of leveled out guy. Right. And, and, and Dorian Finney-Smith, I think, is not, I mean, somebody might hear that and go, oh, that's really not much of a ceiling, especially if you're comparing him to Scottie Pippen. But <laughs> that's the kind of guy, Dorian Finney-Smith is a poor man, Scottie Pippen. Um, you know, that is the kind of guy that a team like the Timberwolves with a big three or whatever, you need somebody, you need a Jay Crowder type. You need a, yeah. you know, you need a guy <laughs> who, uh, a Miles Bridges type, although, you know, he's begun to, and 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 the other Bridges, so I always miss. Yeah, but it took some time. I mean, it took both of those guys some time. Exactly. Bri- exactly. Both of the Bridges. Yep. So, so I, I think to, I think to that point, it's. It's Jaden finding himself. It's finding parts of his game. It's playing the right position. Right. I think that's where we'll, well, we'll start well to see said. Growth. Yep. Um, there are some some bigs on this roster who have been uh, playing more. They are probably better options at the power four. Let's take a quick break and then talk about the the new bigs who have been playing. Today's episode is brought to you by Twenty by Twenty Solutions, a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. Reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20by20solutions.com. That's T-E-A-M at 20x20solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, we are back with Britt Robson of MinPost talking about the post-Christmas Timberwolves, I guess, looking at what's happened with this uh, shorthanded roster as the as the roster has been decimated by COVID. And in this intermediate time before Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, uh, and stuff are back, but specifically Cat, you know, there's been a huge opportunity at the center position, which is very rare, Um you know, in a normal game, we got Cat playing 35 minutes a game. So right. it's it's kind of been probably one of Nas Reed's great frustrations right. over the course of his careers. There's never, ever more than 15 minutes available for him to play. On, on Monday against Boston, Nas Reed was also out in COVID protocols. So, so Nathan Knight uh, got the start. I think he... Um, He's kind of become one of those kind of like Vando guys where people love the effort. Plus, he's shown some some skills that that do appear, you know, to be replicable and 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 something you could see sort of squeeze into the rotation. I think it's an interesting um, it's interesting that we got both games, right? The Boston game and the New York game. Uh, Knight showed some more of his warts in in the game against New York while also kind of shining in in the Boston game. Does that kind of, I guess, more full universe of what Nate Knight has done, how does that impact where you see he can 
and can't play in this team immediately and uh, and going forward once Cat's back. Well, if you remember, I think I told you preseason that there was going to be a time in the season where the did, the, yeah. the seas would part and Nate Knight would show up. You know, um, I think you told me that at summer league we were watching. We were, yeah, yeah. We were in mean, Vegas, and you're like, this guy's going to play at some point this year. I just, I mean, I. Which maybe isn't that hot of a take in a COVID season. Like, oh, yeah, that's true. Although, I mean, what I was saying is, is that the kinds of things that he can do, he's a mucker. And muckers are almost never bad. I mean, they, they're, they're desultory. They can be like, um, uh, they can be not the best option. But they usually aren't, oh, my God, you know, what in the world is he doing in this game? You know, get him out of there. Um, right. um, the worst thing that I think Nate Knight could do to hurt a team is to get them in the penalty early because he is a fowler. Um, but, yeah, I was going to say that's one of the warts for sure. But I really like that. I like the idea of a guy who his fouls are not desperation fouls usually. And if they are, they're the kind of desperation fouls of somebody who is face up with an obviously better guy and it's just conceding, but it's not usually like he's reaching out because some guy is blowing past it or it's not, you know, like he's totally out of position on a rebound. No, it's, it's not understanding the, the, it's not understanding the block rules. Yeah. Well, I kind of similar to Jade McDaniels, not wanting to understand the the body, (laughs) not wanting to understand the block rules in his case. Well, he's, he looked like cat last night in his. Yeah. Yeah. I agree agree. with the referees. And, and, and I do, it chafes on me when a guy with not enough clout to do this is constantly going over to the refs and trying to agitate for his case. I mean, it does him Mm -hmm. no good to, um, be whining about something, you know, every, everybody should know what this league is about. You know I mean? If, if the refs haven't seen you very much, then they assume that you're a scrub and they don't give you the benefit of the doubt. If they see you more and more, they see you, the more and more they realize, Hey, you know, this guy may have the kind of skills that that bang, bang play was not a foul. He was in position or whatever. Um, And Nate Knight doesn't understand that. And for somebody who seems so amenable to logic, I'm convinced that his parents are doctors and lawyers, just just by the way he acts with people, you know, he's incredibly respectful. He's incredibly uh, fluent in terms of just expressing himself respectfully, but also kind of without being subservient oriented uh, also kind of cat like yeah but without the the histrionic melodrama you know i mean you sure. know you don't hear a lot about nate knight saying you know that you know he he the, the issues of nate knight are are kept to nate knight what he's doing is essentially um trying to put his best foot forward as a sure. as a model citizen the way you're well-heeled parents would say, you know, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, yes, that's what he's trying to get across. I think some of it is performative. Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, yeah, I think so. But yeah, I, I, I can see that. That's not a good or bad thing. No, it's no, no. Funny. But I, I guess what I would say, when you talk to these guys every day, you go like, yeah, you become, you know, where the bullshit lies. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
<laughs> and and he's just he's just very like diligent, I guess is is the, like the, the he wants maybe to the convey, to he, but he wants to convey non controversy. I think that's what I'm saying. Cat wants to wants to court controversy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe enough, Cat Nate Knight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a stickler on this point. We uh we were talking during the game about this idea of you know can he is knight going to be able to play power forward next to cat basically or is he going to be able to play power forward when nasreed is is out there in the second unit i mean that is when we're talking about these players playing right now and and can they play going forward it's a lot more about you know finding a fit and how can they adjust their skill set to find that fit um and, and on this team, on this roster, again, when Cat's going to be playing 35 minutes a game at center, for Nathan Knight to play, he he needs to be able to play some four. And and you asked Finch about that after the game, about and all of these bigs. <laughs> well, he, he did, but you were basically like, hey, of these bigs you have, now the four of them, Cat, <laughs> Nas, Knight, and Monroe. Exactly. Like, who can play the four? Who can play power forward? And he's only said he Nas. Reed. Nas! Are you kidding me? I mean, that was like Chris Finch has a wonderful way because I'm usually um, near the end of the queue now, just in terms of the way we sit in the in the media room and everything. I'm on the opposite aisle or whatever. But the bottom line is, I'm I'm oftentimes getting to ask a late question, which you're very familiar with on Zoom because you're more at the end of the queue on Zoom, queue on Zoom. But almost invariably. Like the last thing I say to him in terms of a question, he says something that just makes me scratch my head, and then the whole con- the whole thing is over. You know, I mean, it just <laughs> you go, wait a minute, what the fuck? I mean, did he just <laughs> he just really say that among Nas Reed um, and Nate Knight that Nas Reed is the guy who most likely to be the four? I mean, that's absurd. Maybe that means the most likely to play alongside Cat. Exactly. I would think that right. that really must be the agenda there because, I mean, true, Nas Reed can hit a corner three. And if you're, mm. and I, I do notice that, especially with role players, most of the time Finch is talking offense. Um, yes. And, and so that can be my only explanation because um, Nas Reed cannot guard force to save his life. <laughs> I mean that's just a fact. Yeah. If yeah, you no, put Nasrita out in space, go for a coke, man. You know the the the, the wolves are going to lose ten points in the next three minutes. Well, it is with, with all these bigs. It's like except for Greg Monroe, he's like the the only one who's like the classic a one. Yeah, yeah, where he actually guards fives and plays five. Exactly. Like Cat plays four, guards fives. Vanderbilt plays or yeah, plays five offensively, but guards fours on the other right. end. Nas is backwards too. He's more of an offensive four, I think. Right. Defensively, he has to play the five. And then Nate Knight is kind of the one you're like, oh, well, what is it? And I, I think he's kind of like that too, where he's kind of being forced to play the five guard fives when he has more of a four offensive skill set. And all of this is a lot of this has to do with the fact that these guys are undersized. Um, the more one-way players, all of them, and you know, it just becomes it becomes a bit problematic to to puzzle together. 
I, you know, optimistically looking at Nate Knight potentially playing going forward, I'm I'm intrigued to see some of the Knight next to Cat minutes if that can happen because it's that's been something I've been interested in to see with Cat Nas for a long right. time. Honestly, I've probably kind of been wish casting that to some extent because I'm a, a Nas fan and you're like, oh, he can shoot it like he can shoot it like Vanderbilt camp. But it just ultimately the cat Nas minutes have never worked. They just right. they haven't. There hasn't been a ton of them. They haven't worked. So Knight is kind of like another shot at it. Right. He's a modified because Vando. He's a modified Vando. But the modification that will be critical is the good one is the is the ability to shoot. The right. three and to right. go and to go to space because as good as Vando's been this year, there have been these extended stretches of time where you're like, it would be nice if they didn't have to play him right now. Right. You know? Right. Um, and and in those moments when that comes up over the course of this year, because it will. Um, it, it would if everybody was back on Friday for Utah, there would be a 12 minute stretch in this game where you're like, damn it, I wish Vando and Kat didn't both have to be out there right now. Right. This the Wolves really struggle to score because of Gobert and this this setup. And you go, that would be a moment where you're Chris Finch and you go, well, maybe let's go with six minutes of Nate Knight at the four next to Cat. And he's just we're just going to have him spot up. Here's, you know, we're just going to have him spot up in the corner. Here's what I want to know, because I also think that Nate Knight working with Monroe against Boston, and let's face it, Boston just had a bad game on defense as well as offense. But Monroe found Nate Knight a lot on cuts and, sure. and on plays. Um, but he, he lines up, he's more of a back to the basket guy. And he's also in a little closer than cat usually is, um, which makes the spacing a little less uh, easy to work with, but also makes the cut more effective because players assume they've got it covered and they don't, you know? And so, I wonder if Cat can hit a cutting Nate Knight or whether that's that he just doesn't have the lurk is still gonna be there, man. The lurking though, like part of and you know, credit to Greg Monroe passed the ball really well in both of these games. But he is in a one-on-one situation without even any help. They're not sending even a second pick. With Cat, there's either the hard double or always at a minimum the lurking second big. Right. And and the lurking second big is going to limit Cat's ability to get to his shot because if Cat starts to attack, here comes right. the double. But the lurker also takes away the cut, the cutting lane. If there was a lurker in during Monroe's games, those cuts to Nathan Knight, Jade McDaniels, Jake Lehman would not have worked as well. Good point. And and so that that's why it can't work. You're right. It can't work. It, it, Nate Knight has to hit the corner three. Is what you're saying? It, it just it just or has to. or a, a sixteen footer. You know, just inside mm-hmm. the arc. Right. Right. Something, a floater game, whatever. It's right. just, this is going to be a consistent problem because every single team is going to continue to guard Cat this way or some iteration of it. And and really, the way to beat it, the way to beat it is going to be this team hitting shots. And right. it goes back to what we are talking about with Jaden McDaniels. That can't be 26%. It's going to go right. back to Torian Prince. You need to sh- make more than 30% of your threes. Right. right. A Kogi, if you're going to play, you got to be able to, shoot or hit it, you know, an, an open three Vanderbilt too. That's why, again, we have this conversation all the time. He needs to take one or two of them a game. It's just this half court offense remains terrible. It remains terrible. And this is the reason 
So I, I don't, I wish the answer was cutting. I wish the answer was cutting. Or just, putting it on the deck. One thing about Nate Knight is I think he goes strongest to the hole. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's a way to, you know, you he get, could maybe finish through, yeah. a, a not go bare, than, but I would say yeah. half the center. Yeah, I, I almost said, I almost <laughs> said go bare there and I was like, oh, <laughs> but there are, you know, uh, I don't know a, a, if it's a Robert Williams, right. like, yeah, that that's going to be, he's going to have more success due to his physicality in, in that way. I, I, let's just do this. Who should be in the rotation right now? If we got all the team back, Ooh, we got okay. the starting that's, five. That's that's unfortunately that's a. Uh, I mean, I'm willing to try it with the, with the caveat that it's so interdependent on who's on the floor with you. But um, that's but but like just generally speaking, right. like well, I don't, let, are we going to say nine man rotation? Right. Well, for, let's stipulate that the, okay. the the best damn quintet in the NBA should probably remain the same. Yes. Yeah, that's why it's it's actually not. It's it's funny that it's this is still a com- complicated conversation when we know that the starting five works as well as it does. Right. So we got that locked in. Right. Let's up in again, assuming everyone's back from COVID. And let's assume that, that they go back to D'Lo leaving early. Who comes mm-hmm. in? Right. I mean, is McLaughlin has he earned enough to um, like have? Let's those? not start with McLaughlin. I don't think. <laughs> I'm a J Mac fan, but right, like right. I, I think I think no matter what the rotation is, the D Lo, the 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 minutiae there is well, and correct me if you don't agree with this. The three guys who for sh- who who don't start who for who should for sure play are Malik Beasley, Jaden McDaniels, and Nas Reed. Do you disagree with that? I might. I I think that's starting to be a a common take that I, I disagree with. I think some people with Malik Beasley there are now like, oh no no, oh, I'm does... I'm actually more Nas. I actually Nas. like. Okay. I I think that Monroe and Wright offer some real interesting wrinkles. Night, yeah. Um, that, but M- Monroe might be the kind of guy that uh, not on the floor with Cat, obviously, but might be a guy who you send in as a second unit guy. I can see Monroe and and D'Lo, uh doing some interesting hmm. things together. Interesting. I didn't really thought about that uh, lefty lefty connection. I the, the one thing I'll say about Nas, and again, you everyone knows I'm a a Nas stand. Uh-huh. But we do this a lot, where guys play Chinese well right, right, for exactly. And and I just want to note that Nas has been a shiny object as well, in even his, if he isn't a shiny right, right, right. You know, and. And there are things, there are things right now that Nas Reed can for sure do that Nathan Knight can't do. And there, there's there's holes too. There's the defensive right. things, can't guard a four to save his life, shot is inconsistent, falls over, you know. There the, there are there are Nas Reed problems. But I just And he's in a slump. So it's a bad time to talk about him because it he's not gonna be in a slump. But that kind of makes it a good time. That yeah, kind of okay. makes it a good time to talk okay. about him to be like, hey, let's not let's not forget their right. shiny things right. under there too. Right. And and I, I'm just not at a point of a good week of Jalen Noel to say, okay, now he needs to be over Malik Beasley, who's a player who has a track record of being a high-volume knockdown shooter in this league. And I'm not at a point of saying two starts of Nathan Knight or Greg Monroe out of nowhere all of a sudden indicates 
that they need to for sure be rotation pieces of this right. team. I think it's a conversation. Right. And even that is is that is high praise to Greg Monroe that it's a conversation. Yeah. Right. That, that 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 he could be in the mix. But as I'm as I'm mapping out a rotation right now, I have my starting five and I still have Beasley, McDaniels, and Nas for sure. Okay. In in my ro- in my rotation. I think for. that um the case that I would make on the Beasley Noel continuum, um, because I have mixed feelings about both of them. I, I think that both have been overrated and underrated at various yeah. points. Uh, I think that Noel has a better handle than Beasley. His bad sure. defense, I think, is less toxic than Beasley's bad defense. Um, See, that's what I was going to say. It's if either of them were defending at all it, that makes their case right exactly i think that uh, noel just gets overwhelmed whereas beasley just um uh takes bad angles or doesn't understand what he's supposed to be doing sometimes mental and, and, lapses yeah i i don't know if they're mental lapses so much as um i just think he gets excited yeah, it's almost like an ADHD both. approach to defense. Hey, there's a guy I need to be guarding. He's right there. You know, I got to get him, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but Beasley has all. I, I think Beasley, I think Beasley is currently a better defender than Jalen Noel is. I think it's really, really debatable. He has a better idea of the concept. He has a better idea of the concept. I'm All the other things you're saying are true about Malik Beasley. I'm not trying to. Right, right praise him necessarily on defense but the concept i think he understands the low man part better oh well sure. i mean i think part of that is because it fits into this adh thing i was talking about there's a man going for the hoop i gotta go get him, you know but isn't that the whole scheme on the low man it is but what i'm saying is when when it's like a pick and roll and the guy is going to get there and beasley yeah, runs right. to him anyway mm-hmm. the whole ricky rubio thing you know, which, by the way, is an underrated Ricky Rubio flaw. Um, but um, I do think that Noel stay. Noel does solid is enough better than Beasley, which you know is, sure. <laughs> which is, which is what they've been more running here yeah, right, since right. the COVID I ravaging. Um, and I also, I feel like Noel um, could be one of those guys that. As his confidence, put it this way, I'm swayed by the fact that for whatever reason, Jalen Noel is beloved in that locker room in a way that I don't think Malik Beasley is. I don't know why, but people it's, it's love It's the style Jaylen. of game, man. He's a bucket. He's like that. It's a, it's a very attractive skill set to watch. Now, I think, and what sometimes maybe players miss out on is the like, external value of a shooter uh-huh. you know and i don't i don't think sometimes the other players understand how valuable malik beasley is even if he isn't making his shots because right, malik beasley magnet, right. is on the is on the scout right, right. of you know don't the, leave him alone the, if you leave malik alone you know and especially in the corner then yeah. you'll probably go to the bench if it happens twice right right so I, I think there's some of that, but I, again, it, I, I'm not saying the gap between those two is all that different. I just don't think they're really, I don't think they play the same position. I think they're extremely different players, which complicates this conversation of choosing 
one or the other, which leads me to not even want to choose one or the other. Right. I'm still giving Beasley minutes. He's the third highest paid player on this team. Um, and I think and, in like third and fourth in minutes right now. Right. Sure. Yeah. So it's maybe yeah, even up I, to I, second. I mean, he may be in total minutes. He's total know. minutes. I mean, he's been he's been racking them up. That's true. That's true. So I think Noel, for me, is I would add him into the rotation as the as one of the nine guys or one of the 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 four bench guys, and then the real question for me becomes: Do you want to play a tenth? Uh huh. Well, what about this idea? It's precisely why I had the caveat at the beginning of saying I really don't know. Mm. What about if the Wolves go small and shooty in the second unit and have D'Lo, Noel, and Beasley all in that second unit? D'Lo, Noel, Beasley, yeah. I mean, I think that's something that Finch would probably like to see. Uh, I mean, what's the defense going to be like? Well, especially if Nas is on the court, which is why – I think that that's one of the reasons I like Knight there or Monroe there, assuming sure. assuming Monroe can protect the rim. Um, what if the answer here is to to switch this like cat and ant play the whole first quarter thing, and maybe two of them come in with the second unit? You know, and I was just thinking to myself, I'm playing myself into a Jade McDaniel's at the four by doing that. And I don't want to do that. that. I don't want to do that. Right. So it's hard to do. Yeah, it's hard to do. Um, Hold on. Let me get one more break in here. I want to keep talking about this because I think this this is interesting. We'll be right back with Britt. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, back again with Britt Robson of MinPost, talking about the Timberwolves, what we're what we've been able to kind of gather in this time where many Wolves players have not been playing, it actually gives you an opportunity to see what some of these guys look like. We're not just talking now about Nate Knight in theory of, of what he would fit in with this team. We've not seen him play. We've seen Jalen Noel play 25, 30 minutes a game and have an idea of what that might be able to, to look like on this team. And that now is, I mean, quite frankly, going to bring up some hard questions for Chris Finch and Mike Honori as they put together 
this rotation going forward. And one thing I would commend the both of them on, I don't think the rotations have been perfect this year, but what I would commend them on is not being dogmatic with who plays every game and and a willingness to say, you know, Torian Prince is playing this night. He's not playing the other night. Josh Okogie's playing tonight. He's not playing a different night. And and their ability to do that without pissing off the players. I don't think we've got, I haven't got a sense from any of the players pretty much all year that they've had, there's been a major frustration with, with what their role is. I remember Torian Prince talking about it earlier in the year when he had like a couple of games where he wasn't playing, where he's like, well, all these other guys who I'm competing for minutes with are about the same level as me. Right. You know? I, I don't think you want to talk to him now. I, I think mm-hmm. that I, I I would be surprised if Torian Prince is is as sanguine as uh, as he was. Well, it sounds like what we're getting to with this is that you you or we don't think he's going to be in this rotation going forward. It's really really hard to make an argument for it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the argument is is believing in the three point shot that hasn't been there, and even then, um. As much as I like Torian Prince, and I do, I mean, I think he's a great, I've said this constantly without ever setting foot in the locker room at a time when it would be really helpful to see it. I do think mm-hmm. he's got gravitas with his teammates uh, in a really cool way. Um, and I love the way he takes charges. I love that he tries to do everything right. He's not dumb at all. He's a very smart player on the court. But this is a scrappy team. This team has its identity in terms of being able to scrap and being able to scrap involves being quick. And he's just not quick. And and mm. it's, it's a death knell for him for me right now. Um, when he's playing well and getting those charges and hitting some threes, you can see how, yeah, you know, he's a, he's a net positive tonight, but I just don't think, um, I don't think he's going to consistently, he's not Ersan Ilyasov, he's not going to get like a charge every three games or something, or, you know, he's, uh, and there are just simply better options out there. I mean, Jane McDaniels, Jared Vanderbilt, you know, uh, Josh Okogi, I would put ahead of him. Uh, all three of those guys cover his skill set in different ways. What about even Jake Lehman? Well, I don't know. I mean, Jake Lehman, I've seen enough of Jake Lehman to know, that you never know what you're going to get night to night. You'll get right, and I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm not. I haven't, and I'm not making. I would not that, put that Jake Lehman ahead of Torian Prince, even though I do think that Jake Lehman is more likely to find a home and be a thriving ten minute guy sure. for somebody than Torian Prince is. Torian Prince is more likely to be a thriving eighteen minute guy, um, right. just because Jake Lehman. Um, you know, no, no one. The eye test versus the 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 analytics on Jake Lehman is as wide as anybody I've ever seen. I mean, he looks good out there. He's athletic. He does things that you remember, even when they don't happen positively. He's he's out there flying around to you know to some extent, um, but it doesn't work out. He he's just it's worked better in these couple games he's been playing but even then check his net rating i mean i bet you it's not well 
I, I think it is actually good. It's oh, literally it is? these two or three games. <laughs> I mean, I remember last or the Boston game, he checked in. Wolves went on a 13 to one run last night. He checked in. The Wolves went on to a seven oh run. I mean, again, at some point when we're talking about plus minus right. net rating over right. the course of one week, like, you know, how much does it even matter? Right. We got to we got to have. And particularly with the specific conversation that we're having of like, how do you fit into this group? And there's there's only, you know, so many spots available. I don't want the rotation to get to a point where it's 11 or even really 10 guys anymore. But I do think what I'm kind of coming around to, if they're going to keep the same construct of the rotation with the starting, the good starting five with D'Lo coming out so as to play with the second unit, like... I almost do want to see them go to 10. Right. Has he ever shot better than 34% no. from deep? I, I don't know. Jake Lehman is not a good shooter. That's he, he is like the antithesis of the cliche white guy. I mean, uh, Jake Lehman right. is a freak athlete. Right. And he's not a good shooter. Right. Like Jake, Jake Lehman is one of the most unassuming athletes in, in, uh, agreed, in the NBA. Agreed. Yeah. And and still is and you know he's not I there's really there's really some pop to his to his game. It's just unfortunate that, you know, again, growing up, he was a guy who was more athletic than everyone else. So I doubt he was somebody who was, was just shooting a ton of threes when you right. know when he was in high school. He was a slasher, which which hurts right now because that's what this team could use. If it if he was a high thirties player, then yeah, I think we're you know we're, we're talking, we talking about this. We're talking about because, certainly putting him over Torian Prince. <laughs> right. Well, because like Torian, Torian Prince kind of remember Brent, when Brandon Rush was here. Yeah, like exactly when Br Brandon Rush could shoot 40 percent from three and still not be a positive. Brandon player. Rush was a perfect blend of the strengths and weaknesses of Torian Prince and Jake Lehman. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So give me just give me your there's too much context. Give uh, me who should your bench starting five, five and then I would. um I would say that the three guys who you know are going to play every night include Beasley, Noel, and McDaniels. And then I think you have Okogie, Prince, Knight, um, and McLaughlin. Monroe. What about yeah, Monroe? Oh, yeah, Monroe. Well, I mean, I think I'm making... See, that's what I'm saying. People I, are going to get pinched. I, in, I right? am making the decision that Nate Knight for all kinds of reasons. One being that um, I, I don't mind um, Monroe being a guy that just gets a couple of 10 days and is like the Ed Davis of this year, you know? Um, sure. Uh, because I do, I do think uh, another vet on the team, especially one that can help cat on mm. big man stuff. I mean, Greg Monroe is an old man's big man game. Um, right. And to the extent that Cat can learn quietude and, you know, keeping your head and, you know, Greg Monroe has been through the wars. The guys played in Russia and Germany, He played for two and 19 team in Russia and got cut. Um, you know, I mean, after being, he was never an all-star, but a guy who was always regarded as somebody who was going to be something in the NBA. I think he's been through enough of the wars that, um, he could be a great guy for Cat to talk to, and I, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing him around for at least three or four weeks, and then sure. you know take it from there if he gets the veterans minimum, you know when we have to send uh, Balmero back to uh, Iowa, 
I'm not going to be heartbroken about that. So, uh, you know, but in terms of, you you know, if you're putting a gun to my head and saying nine guys, I think I'm putting Knight ahead of him in my nine. Because I I don't. That means you're not. So Nas isn't in your rotation. I don't see it because I want I want the continuation of style. I don't want McDaniels at the four, which means I need Knight to be the backup four. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's, it's hard to pound the table of, for me, for, for Nas overnight. I mean, but I, that I, doesn't mean, yeah, and, and, and yeah, I mean, what we're saying, I mean, we just got through saying, um, it's hard to choose between, uh, Noel's defense and Beasley's defense. Well, in the same way, Nas and Knight each have flaws that are wanting, each are young, each have a really intriguing upside. And each are really cheap. So there really isn't, uh, I think it's kind of more what you kind of like about the game. And I like defense and, and, and hard nosed stuff. And Nas, you know, his, he's a guy whose eye test is not as good as his analytics when it comes to defense, especially uh, this year, it's a little different, but in the past, his previous two seasons with the Wolves, his defensive rating has been a lot better than you would expect it to be. Uh, Cause I think he gets undressed on a regular basis, but yeah, you know, so I, if, if, if night winds up uh, being in, you know, losing out to Nas for, you know, key minutes, I can't complain about it. You know, I mean, it wouldn't be yeah, my choice. I, I think probably the, the, the way to go about it is, you're you're looking for one of Nas or Knight to show to you to prove to you that they can do something next to Cat, and whether that's in practice right. or in a game over the course of a couple of weeks, you try maybe try both of them, and you're like, is this solving some of our half court problems that we're having with Cats on the floor? Is you know is it working to have Knight be spotted up there? It, can we really commit Nas to you know to being that? Can we find a way? to play some defense without it being zoned with, with cat and Nas out there. Right. Can, is there, is there anything that works right with, with those two together and, and to the, to where the shiny object actually makes some sense here is we haven't seen it with night. We have seen it with cat and Nas where it just, it, it hasn't worked. There's been stints for over a year now where, where those guys have played. together. And, and the reason they have to go to zone in my opinion, anyway, when cat, and uh, Nas play together is the corner three is always wide open if you don't. Yeah. And I do think that Knight is much better at closing out. The Nas is? Yeah. I think he, he tries, maybe tries harder. At I think it. he's I think faster. Nas is a little quicker. Oh, do you? you I think... was going to say, I think, oh, I think Nas wow, is Oh, wow, interesting. I yeah. Oh, uh, that's, uh, we'll have to watch it. Yeah. I mean... Nas does the thing where he looks like he's falling over as he's closing out, but I, yeah, there's just, I, I, there, that is a frustration with Nas is his feet aren't as good as his athleticism suggests. And he's a, he's a quick twitch guy. Whereas Knight feels like a 10 feet guy. I, yeah, I, 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 I think, well, I think Knight could get to 10 feet faster than yeah. Nas can, but Nas can get to three feet faster. Okay. All right. I, I like that. But that means yeah, on, a, on a close out of a three, 
I think that means that Knight can close out faster. Now, I don't know, you know, we'll have to see. But if if you want to run man with Cat and a big in the game, you've got to have somebody who can get that corner guy because Cat will... I'd, I'd be fine never seeing this play team play zone again. They, I think they're so bad at it. Well, I, and... and <laughs> is anybody really good at it, though? I mean... Well, I see a okay, well, last night. What well, last night was ridiculous. They're, I, I they're in a yeah, two yeah. three zone, and half the time the guys didn't know they're in. But you know what? The Knicks were so bad. So bad. <laughs> I mean, so they didn't. Bad. They didn't recognize it. Think, they didn't shoot well. When I they think that was the Wolves. I think that was the Wolves' worst defensive game of the season, and the Knicks didn't <laughs> score hundred points. I mean, it, it was statistically it wasn't the the Wolves' worst defensive. Their Game shot the selection, the Knicks' shot selection was bewildering. I mean, it really made me lose a little bit of respect for, for Tibbs as a coach because why he wasn't just going ballistic on the sidelines. This is a guy who's like control freak, everything about the game. You know, he still hates when another team gets offensive rebounds, but somehow is okay with guys like Randall and Barrett turning down easy drives to the hoop for stupid passes or even stupider shots i yeah tibbs's offensive plan has never made sense to me boston or i mean chicago minnesota whatever yeah fourth in was, the league though fourth in the league in offensive league. i know i know it doesn't it doesn't jimmy butler and taj sense. gibson that was what yeah. that was about that, i just looked it up just in terms of defensive rating it was the wolves second best game defensively in the last uh, 13 games yeah, last night. And, and I the, thought it, it looked the worst. Well, it's because of the level of competition. Yeah. The Knicks shot 40% from three. Uh, yeah. It, I mean. Yeah, and less than 40% like from two. Uh, you know, who yeah, knows right. why? And they also didn't make any free throws. I mean, what would the, uh, uh, yeah. you know, the offensive rating is points per possession. When you miss half your free throws, there's a couple of points right there. Uh, that's true. That's true. I the one thing last thing I want to say on the like the night Nas thing and the Vanderbilt and this is something I talk about all the time. This is something you talk about all the time. And there's two reasons why this is just really important in my opinion is it has been the biggest problem of the year is finding offense amongst the four or five on this team, right. which is crazy to say when you have Carl Anthony Towns, but the Wolves are one of the worst half court offenses in the league and it's because they haven't found a way to effectively play four or five with Vanderbilt or when McDaniels is out there at the four. So you're just you're not only searching for something in the immediate there to to make it work a little bit better. We're also trying to answer a longer term question of which we've been trying to answer for seven years of what the hell works next to cat in the front court. And you know that's why I want to see them try different things. It's why I've always wanted to see more Nas cat next to each other. It's why I'm even interested to like, I'm even interested to see cat Monroe play next to each other. Right. I, I am right. Just because then he's, you know, he's playing the four and I, I'm not saying any of these experiments will experiments will work, but really now with this roster, you almost have like, and they're all discount actually probably pretty bad versions, at least offensively of, power forward archetypes. I mean, you got Jared Vanderbilt, the dunker spot guy. You got Jade McDaniels, the small ball four guy, or even throw Torian Prince in there. You've got Nas Reed, who's like the ball skills 
big who can who can kind of shoot it. You got Nathan Knight, who's the mucker and the physical guy. You've got kind of like the full complement of like big man skill sets. But they're isolated we, skills. Exactly. That's that's what makes it hard to answer this. So that's why I'm I'm just looking, I'm looking for a week. I'm looking for you a week of like, oh man, this works. You you want to know something incredibly ironic, at least to me? Hmm. Gorgie Jag would be really nice. <laughs> he would. He hits those threes. He plays really good defense. I mean, whether in drop or in the kind of pick and roll they're running. Communication. You would ever all five people would have known they were playing two three zone last night if Gorgie Jang was on the floor. Right. Right. I mean, you know, the, the guy, and what's he making now? Like five or three or something? I mean, four, I don't you four, know. Four, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I maybe that is Britt. Maybe like what we're getting at here is, or I don't know, like, do they need to acquire a big? Well, that's one of the things that I thought was interesting when you were talking about, I think that Mike Inori and Finch, what you were saying is I think Mike Inori and Finch have done a good job of rotations and figuring things out. The guy who I'm curious what he's seeing and figuring out is, is Sasha Gupta. Um, right. Because this team is ripe for a situational roster tweak uh, that is kind of a Jenga board in terms of um, if you add this and you take away this, right? this is kind of, it, it's not a one move move. It's a one move that affects a lot of different moves. It's why I had trouble when you said, let's pick nine. Um, yeah, no, it's hard. You know, some of it is, if we if we understand and 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 for the record, you know, we keep talking about Vando being insufficient. He makes up for it in other areas, and Vando, oh, yeah, yeah, Vando totally. is fine doing what he does um, for sure. But you're right about the idea that Cat um, and Vando can't play 35 minutes a game together if for no other reason than Vando would fall out or get killed. You know, somebody would, or, or the offense just wouldn't work. Yeah, right, right. Unless Vando's going to get six, seven offensive rebounds in the, and, the game. And, and even and, then, it's and not four fluid. steals and they'll get 28 points off turnovers, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, which has been great and it's yeah. been happening a lot. I think that to, to the Sasha Gupta question or thought process and all of this and the idea of adding a four next to Cat or a five next to Cat, the, you know, the proverbial Miles Turner question is if you do add that player, you are going to. You were going to kill a lot of the Vando role this year, which we both agree has been good. And you're going to kill Nas Reed. And you are not going to kill the Vando role, I don't think, because I think. I killed the role, but I, it's going to be fewer minutes. It's going to be I'm, fewer. I'm a looking lot fewer. at a guy who's only going to get like 15 minutes. So I think that Vando may drop from 32 to 23 or something. Okay. You know, but I still like the idea of Vando giving you. Wait, so you're saying acquire a guy who's only going to play 15 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, so like the Robin Lopez or something like that. Yeah, be um, be like the super – I mean, well, that's pretty much what Gorgie gets in Atlanta, I think. You know, I mean – Yeah, oh, the Gorgie, okay. You know. See, for me, if they're going to make a move, I'd rather be more bold. I Like a backup Gorgie, Robin Lopez, something like that. Like, I'd rather just still try to – figure it out with this group that they that they have because do that. I think that precisely for the reason 
that you don't want. I don't want to mess with Vando. I I think he is absolutely crucial. And that's what I'm saying. I only want to mess with him if you're getting something that significantly moves the needle, the Miles Turner thing. But then I, mess with I, it and slide him into the back. Oh, oh I see. You're talking. Okay, you're talking like Miles Turner size acquisition. See, I don't. Cool. I don't like that idea. Mm, disagree. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, I just think that that's like, that's more than the shiny object. That's the shiny bobble. That's the, you know, right. like that's, that's the disco ball. Um, and what I would say is this is the most enjoyable Wolves team in over a decade. Right. And they're putting together a really cool identity and it's not an ironclad identity. It involves a, a cohesive synergistic scrappiness that, Another guy may improve, but he very well may not. And one of the reasons he may not is because you're taking the linchpin of this entire identity and you're, you're, it won't be meant this way, but you're punishing him um, for not being a broader based guy when in fact he is exactly the kind of role player that makes this identity work. Now, right. It, it could be once this team makes the play in or scraps to the seventh or eighth seed and gets their ass handed to them or something still. Yeah. And, and we, and we begin to uh, recover from the sugar high of taking a step forward, which has always been quite frankly, in my opinion, I know it's a minority opinion. I think a 38 win team is not a failure of the current roster. I think, of, no. you know, I mean, I, other people do. Other people think that um, if you have, you know, the whole argument, if you have two max guys and the number one pick in the draft and everybody's humming and you can't get to 500, you know, you got to make some major change. No, I think the teams, Denver, Phoenix, you name it, are continuity teams. And then you wait to know exactly the one guy you need to add. And I don't think they're there yet. Yeah. I'm gonna. I, I think I'm gonna predict that the Wolves might do almost nothing at the mm-hmm. deadline, mm-hmm. which because I, I'm not ruling out the shiny bobble Miles Turner type thing. I, I do. I obviously do think that's a, a possibility, something like that. But I think that move would be more born out of Gupta trying to like save his job or assert his job than logic, than built out of logic of like progressing through continuity kind of linearly as you're talking about. Cause I do think that is, I do think that is what makes most sense with this roster. And at the end of the day, I think that's how Gupta's mind works where he'll be tempted to make the move to save his job. But I think he will go back to who he is and who, how he and the teams he's always worked with have pursued these sort of things. And it's with a hyper level of logic and, and the shiny bobble thing is something that doesn't make a ton of sense in the in the idea of moving from the eighth seed to the sixth seed. And now, obviously, there's a lot of different arguments you can make. You say, well, okay, if you get Miles Turner this year and you get to the sixth seed, does that give you some upside to be a three seed, you know, the next season when Turner's in the final year of his deal? But it just adds this additional pressure to everything to move forward at a specific pace when I think the Wolves are moving forward this season and presumably beyond 
at a pace, maybe not a fast pace, but it's going, but it's going sure in the pace. right direction. Yeah. And, and you don't need to do anything. You don't need to give up any assets. You don't need to become more, add any desperation to the mix to, te- to keep going forward. And that's why I just, I just wonder if this deadline comes and goes. And it's kind of like last year where you go, yeah, they didn't they didn't add anything because they didn't want to pay a first round pick for this year's Marcus Morris or right, whatever. Right. And here's where um I am hoping that Mark Flory and Alex Rodriguez yeah. uh um don't don't get involved. Well, or at the very least see first of all, I think Chris Finch his status around the league and obviously what he's done with his team this year. Um if he is not first among equals when decisions are being made right now, I think that's a mistake. Because, well, and, but what do but what do coaches typically want to do? They want to win. That's where I think Finch uh, is confident enough in what he's doing that he mm-hmm. thinks he can win with this step by step approach. Right. Um, I mean, I, well, I, and and if he gets overzealous and says, "Oh no, we do need this. I we do need to trade." Then it's on him, and pick. he's the guy. It should no, it's be on. on Gupta, man. No, it's on Gupta. <laughs> then to, to to be the bumpers there, you know, if they are this oh, two right, equals right, thing, right, like right. they need to. In all seriousness, like they need to like be the push and the pull of what you know what is good for the big picture and what is good for the the small picture. And it probably, as always, it comes down to price tag. Right. If you can get something that isn't you know too expensive, like sure. I just we've kind of learned over the past two years that to get any player of real that is going to make any sort of difference down the stretch of the season, almost all of those players require trading a first round pick to do. And a lot of time, those guys that you do trade a first round pick for or a pile of seconds, like those guys oftentimes don't even work out. And and sometimes they're Nikola Miritich and they're not even playing when it's the playoffs, you know, that, that sort of thing. So, well, I don't know. I have enough faith in Chris Finch to say that if he wants to make a step now, hmm. that I would trust it. Uh, because I do think... I would trust it if it was approved by Gupta. Well, uh, and I... That would happen, yeah, but... And my counter on that is, I don't think it's an equal relationship right now. Not that Nothing against Gupta. It's just that Chris Finch... Uh, what he did last year was okay, and people got excited about what he did last year. But let's face it, what he did in preseason, he changed the identity of this franchise. And yeah. obviously, you had you took Pat Bev and signing Vando and everything. But the guys he was talking about, I'll never get back. You know, th- that press conference, the last time we ever saw Grisson Rosas in an official capacity, aside from that weird twins mm-hmm. thing, um, was uh, was when he was at the press conference and and Finch at the end of that said, I think we've addressed just about every need we were looking at this summer. And when I talked to him like a month earlier in Vegas, he was widely saying, yeah, I don't know about Paul Ford and I don't know about point guard. And there was Vando and, and Pat Bev on chairs next to him on the stage. Yeah. And he was a different human being. He was somebody who was saying, I'm going to war with these guys. And I'm okay with it. Um, right. And lo and behold, 
the two guys that are the most identity creating guys on this team are Pat Bev and Vando. So no, if, if, if Chris Finch wants to tell me how this identity is going to change again in a, you know, and, and put his reputation on the line, then if I'm Sasha Gupta, I'll push back if I legitimately think it should be pushed back just to give him the benefit of the downsides, but then I'll mm-hmm. give him what he wants. Right. No, it's a, it's a good point. And, you know, if Chris Finch is pounding the table for, for some sort of big change, it will be a big change that as a player who's a starter, which means that player will be breaking up this starting lineup that has not only defined the identity of this team, but has been wildly successful in right. the in the minutes right. they shed the floor. So, you know, that's a that's a that's a that's a good point. And I think further asserts my position or I think our position that not probably nothing big is going to happen. And also, I mean, I, I just want to get this in before we fold out. The cynicism of Wolves fans is really driving me crazy. I mean, I'm the guy. I'm the. I'm the supposed. You should know better. I'm you a, should know better. I'm the supposed curmudgeon who, you know, everybody for years and years would accuse me of, you know, pissing all over the hopes of this team and everything. And uh, I saw poorly coached teams. I saw badly motivated guys. I saw guys who did not deserve to be on the floor that were on the floor, malcontents. I mean, this team has had all the diseases that its record indicates. And to piss and moan because uh, Malik Beasley missed, you know, three quarters of millions of shots last night, and that's why they lost to a bad team. Um, We're in the middle of this weird COVID bullshit. We're in the middle of a cynical NBA policy of everybody playing with strip mine rosters. It's not a real foundational environment in mm-hmm. which to judge the team, first of all. And secondly, they just got through using smoke and mirrors to, to wax the Celtics the night before on the other end of a back-to-back. Um, and, you're, you know, people are choosing now to piss and moan about this Wolves team. I mean... Right now, enjoy what you have. This team is on the upswing. They've got an identity. They've got interesting players. No, it's not perfect. I've said all season, 35 to 41. I still think that's realistic, um, provided Mm -hmm. that COVID doesn't throw us more curveballs. But get a grip. I mean, what are you expecting? Are you expecting this team to be like, hosting a playoff series in the Western Conference. Uh, this team right now is in the mix, right where they should be. Um, they're actually a little better than what I thought they'd be. And there's uh, some real growth points that have us talking about, you know, nine-man rotations with a starting right. five that is the, you know, the best in the NBA. So uh, as somebody who has been down on this Tim Timberwolves team for the predominant years of the 30 year I've covered it. Um, this is not a time to be negative about this Timberwolves team, in my opinion. No, I think uh, not to defend people. I think there's just a lot of frustration about the whole COVID situation. Um, well, and that's legit. That, Yeah, but I think it, I think that's legit. And then the frustration is coming out kind of sideways, like, projecting uh-huh. the you know 
your disappointment on on something. But yeah, it's I mean, quite honestly, and, and you know, knock on wood, I think we're hopefully through this. Like these games feel to me like preseason. Right. And and I have done this long enough too to, you know, trick my mind into finding ways to make preseason relevant. But I feel like this quite honestly, this 80 minute conversation that we've had reminds me of conversations we've had in September before. Right. Where we're we're guessing and checking and we're we're picking who the eighth and ninth man should be. And then a month later we go, hey, remember when we were talking about Nathan Knight being in the rotation and something else is completely, you know, has completely changed. This is just gonna be a weird blip in the season. And I'm we're gonna forget about it. What did or I say at the go, beginning of this podcast when you asked me what we could no, yeah, do? It, it was I said not it was, much. No. Exactly. And I and I think <laughs> I, I think hope we've true. entertained and, you for 80 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it it hey, it remains for preseason, it's it remains uh, you know, and the, somewhat intriguing. Exactly. And and I thought you framed it really well, actually. I thought, oh, maybe this isn't a waste of time when you said uh, you know, the whole thing about we're seeing guys who we theorized mm-hmm. about and we haven't seen Jalen Noel on this big of a stage yet. We haven't seen right. Nate Knight on this big of a stage yet. So there is to that extent. And we haven't seen Jaden McDaniels have the time to develop the usage to get his rhythm yep. back. I mean, all those things might be relevant. At the very least, they're reassurances that there is uh, – you might bump the ceiling on a guy a few more inches yeah. as a result of what you've seen. Well, this is it is situations like this where Jared Vanderbilt found himself. Right, right, right. Like, probably more likely than not, the things that will happen over these couple weeks will be irrelevant, or more of them will be irrelevant than they won't. But one or two things will abide. Right, and and I hope that's what this conversation has been: is mining for those things, guessing at what they might be. For me, honestly, if I could distill it all down, the two things that I had to bet on right now, it would be that Jade McDaniels started to turn a corner within this season uh-huh. and hopefully starts turning more corners on the actual floor, getting to the basket. And that Jalen Noel is, you know, a legitimate bench piece scoring option for this team. I, I think he is that. And then the things that I think will prove to be fodder that we look back on are we'll go remember when greg monroe was on the timberwolves like i i i I hope not i i have enjoyed the greg monroe thing but i think that will kind of prove to be futile i don't think nathan knight is going to play above nas reed and i think he'll play in games at a time when cats hurt or nas reed is hurt in the future a lot of these a lot of these other things will prove to be you know somewhat irrelevant but i don't know Right. I don't know. That's what this is. Is this is me guessing? It's watching. It's it's you know it's it's trying to figure it out and and hope that the wolves get some wins around, along the, the way of these two weeks so that they are at a place when the roster's back together that they're not that far away from five hundred. Exactly. So when we're back rolling, we can be like, all right, here's the nine man rotation. Here's ten games with the team back. They've gone six and four. They're back in it like that. That's all you're trying to get. To. You're trying to get to three weeks from now and be at that point. That's you don't you don't want the COVID roadkill to be like a one and seven time yeah. when everybody you know right now they're one and three. You know I don't mm-hmm. want to keep have them keep losing without you know it's one thing if you have one starter out because that's typical of an injury. You know sure even two starters you could say oh bad mm-hmm. luck. But five starters, four starters, three starters, what we've seen since 
the Dallas game um, mm-hmm. is this is all you're trying to do is it's preseason, man. It's preseason. You, and you're trying it's to, pre-season. but unfortunately they count. So you're trying to tread water, <laughs> you know, you're right. just trying right. to tread water. You don't want to go one and seven and, and miss out on a playoff spot by like two games. Cause if, right. you know, if you went three and five, you'd be in there, you know I mean? You know, right, right. in meaning, in meaningless games, you know, so that's the part that, I went on my Twitter rant about the NBA needing to shorten season the other other week with that kind of thing in mind is I just don't think yeah. I call it, you know, roulette competition. You put your right. ball in and hope it pops into the right <laughs> hole. I I uh I'm interested to see how long it takes this team to rebound. And I have no idea. I have no idea well, how Pat Bev is any indication. Re- <laughs> I don't, yeah. And and you know, and, and it's going to be other teams in the league too. Other teams right. are having guys right. back. Like right. if the Wolves are going to struggle the rebound, the Atlanta Hawks are going to struggle the rebound too, or the Chicago Bulls or the Lakers, right. the right. Mavs, these other teams have been ravaged. Um, that's going to, I think that's going to be almost as defining here in the next three weeks is how Anthony Edwards can come back and everyone, D'Lo right. Cat can, can come back as whatever this one and three stretch has ended up being. But I have, I have no opinions on that. I have no idea what it's going to look like and and we're going to have to see but brett i appreciate you doing this today uh you have no column this week correct correct mid post is on so, vacation which is fine with me post yeah right um you'll be back in the new year writing something there i'm sure maybe beginning of uh of next week in in january uh i i will be off here for a, a few days too um but i think we'll we'll do another some sort of cliche Tim Wolves New Year's resolutions sort of <laughs> podcast at, at, at some point here. I'll but, fuck uh, with it. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll make it work. Um, he's Britt Robson. Follow him on Twitter at Britt Robson. Read his stuff at MimPost. I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA on Twitter. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Until then, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.